Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a Coleman Had a Dream podcast where we're actually going to talk about Welsh football matches that are happening really, really soon. Uh, I am joined by Ruth. Hello, Ruth. How are you? Hiya. Good morning. Doing all right. How are you? I'm not bad. I've just had a near-death experience before we've before we started recording. I don't know if this is a bad omen or something, but the uh, the massive photo frame in our front room containing all of our wedding pictures almost just smashed me over the head, and it's now in a million pieces on the living room floor. So uh, yeah, it's been a stressful afternoon, I would say. You're still half asleep uh, by by the sounds of it. Yeah, it's very much Sunday morning here. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, I think Wales was hoping to have a bit more of a hangover than it uh, than it perhaps ended up with this morning. But uh, I'm sure Cardiff City fans, on the other hand, have uh, have got raging hangovers this morning. Um, obviously, Swansea uh, lost to Cardiff one nil in the South Wales derby. Still, no one has done the double uh, in the league over one another in the same season, which is a crazy statistic. Uh, Newport lost one nil, and Wrexham did not play this weekend um one other thing that we wanted to mention as well is that Gemma Granger has been appointed as the new Wales women's manager um we're not going to go into huge detail about this today because obviously we want to talk about all the Belgium and the Mexico games but it is something that we are going to talk about soon but I don't know why you would listen Gemma but if you do listen congratulations uh on on the job appointment I don't know if you want to say anything Ruth but it looked um a, a really a really really good appointment I thought yeah, I was. I think it was a very positive outcome. Um, difficult times for for anybody to be, con, you know, considering new roles and that sort of thing. So I think to have secured someone with with her level of experience is great. But as you said, we'll 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 look at that properly as we turn to the women's games that are coming up in early April. Absolutely, absolutely. So as a consequence, we are going to be focusing uh, today on the. Belgium and Mexico games um, obviously one is the first World Cup qualifier away in Leuven I think that's how you pronounce it uh, and of course we are playing Mexico at home at the Cardiff City Stadium on Saturday night we're going to do a match uh, review for these two matches uh, a week or so in a week or so and then we'll preview the Czech Republic match then um, I'm also going to keep talking just for a little bit longer just to mention our Game Over Art magazine. If you haven't had a look at this yet, please do. Please go to colemanhadadream.com and have a look at our international, uh, Welsh international football magazine. All fan-created content from fans for fans. It's free, electronic and downloadable. So please do go and have a look at that. We've got match previews. We've got articles around Bale, Page. Ruth, Ruth, sorry, has done uh, an article about Chris Gunter's 100th cap. We have got a lot of different things, including some unique artwork in there. So please do go and have a look. Um, to look at these matches, Ruth, um, a lot of interesting stuff, obviously, we talked about in the pod last week when we were discussing the squad. But obviously, now we're kind of coming down to the nitty gritty of it, so to speak. Um, I think I would like to start in the goalkeeping position. Um, the... The position has kind of opened up to an extent, really, with with Davis, Adam Davis, coming in and playing for Stoke in the last two games. I just wondered how you saw it and who would you pick and who do you think will be picked? It's an, it's an interesting development, isn't it? Because I think we kind of got to a point where we thought we were comparing effectively four goalkeepers, none of which were getting any real game time. And then since last week, as you said, Adam Davies has, has played in two games. Um, I, I think I'm still going with Hennessy, although it's becoming more tempting to consider moving to Davies under those circumstances. I think if he'd have had five or six games, 
rather than two, I think it might have been a more obvious, more obvious decision. I think one of my concerns and one of the reasons that I would play Hennessy is if we don't play him in these games, or at least perhaps two of the three games, what what other playing time is he going to get ahead of the Euros? And we don't want to be in a situation where we haven't done what we can to provide him with some with some game time. So I think that's why I'd be sticking with Hennessy. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I've, I've written down fairly similar things myself. I, I think in a bizarre way, the, the, the Euros is sort of the elephant in the room in this, in this sense. I think Hennessy has to play in the Euros, his experience of that situation. I think having done what he's done for, for us so successfully for such a long time, I think he kind of deserves his shot at the Euros. I know football isn't necessarily a sentimental uh, business, but I, I think he deserves that shot. I think if we didn't have the Euros and he hadn't have played, I think the start of a new campaign would be the perfect time to swap someone. And I agree with you again that if Davis had played maybe six games in a row rather than two, I think it does become a very, very different conversation. I think he has to start for me. I think he's never really let us down. I think... The Davis situation, the timing is unfortunate, but again, he's relatively untested at international level. I know he kind of did have some game time for us, but he's, uh, you know, fairly limited in 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 that sense. I, I think, as I say, the Euros is just the the fly in the ointment in a bizarre way. I think, I think that now would be, as I say, a perfect time for change, but it's not kind of looking like it's going to happen. So for me, Hennessy kind of has to start. I also think as well that if you kind of going on the playing time argument, which I do think is quite. Nisha had a conversation with someone on Twitter this week. I apologise if you if you listen about this. He was just, oh yeah, Ward has played more more times uh, than 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 Hennessy this year. I was just like, well yeah, but like by two games, <laughs> he's you know he's not played hours and hours of extra football. So I, I don't I don't I don't yeah the the kind of the the nuances of how many ga- games you've played or how many minutes you've had is so tight i don't really think that argument is valid in my mind for me ward still hasn't done anything to warrant taking hennessy's place if we were going to change it would have to be davis i i assume you agree with me on that one yeah i mean i think the the, the reason you'd be considering the change is that davis is getting some game time and um, so that obviously that argument doesn't apply to ward i mean i think that's a, that's why there's a a discussion there's a dilemma now isn't there because you've actually got someone who at least on paper is is providing something different within that four you've got one of the four who's getting some game time therefore is there a different a different sort of metric that you're looking at about uh, excuse me about starting him i i right now i just don't i think it's one he hasn't started enough and and two we've got to think about what not giving Hennessy some game time might mean going forward. I think if you if you're going to not play him now, it almost commits you to not playing him in June, which then puts more pressure on Adam Davies, which might not be the right thing in the short term. Yeah, I agree. I think if Davis starts now, he has to start at the Euros. And again, I don't think we're kind of ready to to make that decision. I in my view anyway. Um also, that the playing time argument I do find a little bit null and void to an extent because if that was the case, I think, you know, I'd have a fair shot of playing centre-half uh, against Belgium. I mean, looking looking at the way things have, have gone in the last couple of weeks, 
Obviously, Rodden has not been seen uh, for a while for Spurs for a collection of reasons. Cabango hasn't started for Swansea for the last three, I think it is, maybe four. Uh, Mepo hasn't started for Bournemouth for a while. Lockyer's just come back into the Luton squad from injury. Ben Davis, I, he's he's a regular, I would say, uh, for Spurs in a, in a roundabout way, often more kind of coming into the side or for cup competitions or something, but he has started 19 or played in the Premier League 19 times. So I would count that as a regular for, for him. Um, we're in the situation here where there is no starting centre-back that is actually getting regular football, is there? Well, in fairness, James Lawrence is playing regularly, but there is a question about whether he's even allowed to travel from Germany. I, I understand you might know, you might know more, yeah, we'll come to more that. on that. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, you can't pretend it's not a mess and a, and a concern. Um, it does, I mean, not harking back to last week's discussion, but it does, it does scream, where's James Chester on this list, but yeah. let's not go there again. Yeah. Um, I think Rodden, I think Rodden is such a, such the class of that group. And given, as I said, only James Lawrence is re- is really having any regular game time. Then I think you've got the I think you've got to start Joe because why wouldn't you? Basically, it's not as though there's a, a huge sort of clamour of pressure on yeah. um, from other players. Lockyer, I mean, he was on he was on the bench for Luton. Play, I think they played Preston this weekend. Yeah. Um, no. But and that's that's his first involvement since his injury. So he. He's not he's not ready to go clearly. Um, Mepham came on as a sub for Bournemouth, I think, but that's he's just getting the odd minute or two here and there. Cabango uh, missing three games. That, I mean, that is concerning that he's not made the start in eleven in in any of those last games for Swansea. And I, you know, you, you want you wonder what's precipitating that from Cooper, whether he's carrying something or Cooper's just you know just seeing a, a lack of focus or something. I don't know, but something something has precipitated that that decision from Cooper, which is interesting. Yeah, I just um, want, just to jump in there. Sorry. sorry is that I, I've, I've spoken to someone about this. Apparently, it was just a very... It's been a, a slight tactical shift that they've made, apparently, and, and Cabango is, just, is, just, is the one that's just missed out on that, as I understand it. Um, so I don't think it's anything kind of personal bigger than that. I think it's just a, a tactical call that he's kind of just about on the wrong side of. Okay, well, in some that I mean that's reassuring, um, and and to be honest, a little bit of a breather might not be a bad thing in that in that case. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm list leaning towards Rodden and Cabanga just because there's some familiarity there, rather obviously. Um, part of that is I haven't seen enough of how James Lawrence is playing to know what ninety regular minutes means for him, and yeah. you know that's. That's an unfair assessment in that in that sense as well. Uh, but I think assuming we're going for two centre backs, and I think there's a, there's a slightly wider discussion on formation. Those are the two I'm leaning to. In some respects, I don't think we've got a lot of choice. I mean, the the obvious kind of alternative, if you like, would be Ampadu because he's obviously he's obviously playing or has been playing at centre back or in in a defensive setup at least for Chef Yu. Um, I think the big thing for me there is that if you take him out of defence. Uh, so put him into defence, sorry, and take him out to midfield. I think you're left with a very similar dilemma then in central midfield in that Morel has obviously had uh, some injury issues and has not been playing regularly. 
Levitt obviously has started playing in uh, in Croatia, but he's playing you know second tier football in Croatia. Um, you know, Matt Smith, who I guess would be the, the 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 possible replacement there, but I feel like we need a real physical presence in there, right? And I just don't think we have anyone who can come in and do that job. So for me, Ampadu has to start in midfield, whatever kind of setup we go. Um, I think if it's for me, if I'm making that decision, I am putting Rodden in, and I think I would start Ben Davis at centre back because he's played there before for us. He is playing regularly. They do train together, work together, play together on a regular basis now. Um, and I would put Reese Norrington Davis at left back. I, I, it's a huge, huge gamble. But without them having Hazards in the side, I think that does change things a little bit. Possibly no Lukaku, and I know we'll come to these things, but that that that's how I would look at it. For me, I would go Roberts, Rodden, Davis, Norrington Davis. I can see merit in that. I, I mean, I'd actually considered whether we go three at the back, including Davies. Um, I, I, I don't think I'm ready to do that more because I don't think the management team is ready to do that. I think they've kind of seem to have settled on four, four at the back, and I don't think they'll be looking to, to change that. Um, I do think it's an. Int- I think I, I think your scenario is interesting because I would trust. I would definitely trust Ben Davies with that, and um, Norrington Davies is, is. Every game I watch with him, he seems to be making such strides and and such advancements that, I I, I don't think it would be a huge. From a playing point of view, I don't think it would be a huge change at left back to have him there, and you have retained the experience that Davies, Ben Davies brings brings to the team by moving him into the centre. I think <clears throat> he's used to working with Hennessy. As you say, he's presumably used to working with, with Gerard and based on training at Spurs. So I can I can definitely see merit in in the combination that you're talking about. I think for what it's worth for me, I think we will go I've just realized I was saying for me at the start of a sentence a lot. Um <laughs> For, in my opinion, I think we will start with the three at the back uh, slash five, whichever way you look at it kind of situation. I think we've done the last four games, I think we started that way. So I, that looks to me or feels to me a little bit like we're going in that direction. I think it helps us match up a little bit to... The Belgians who would play and will play a similar way. I think they've often played that uh, kind of wing backs um, three two two one. I don't know how else you would kind of describe it moving forward. So I, I think we are going to start with five or three at the back, depending on how you look at it, because I think they they will play that way. So I, I, I that's that's interesting because that's what I favour as well. I just I don't think I'm confident that we will go that way. I think I'm the other way around. I'm confident we will go that way, but I don't want us to. <laughs> Um, yeah I think for me I think I've got to stop saying that I don't know where that habit has come from Uh, I think that we were best suited in this game because of the circumstances which kind of comes to our next question of playing four at the back Ampadu and Allen kind of holding Bale, Wilson, James you know filling their boots and more up front I think would suit the way we play better but I just don't think we'll do that I think for, in my opinion <laughs> I did it again then um, 
I think we've got to have a go at this game and treat it as a cup final almost because I think if we lose and uh, and play in a a defensive manner let's say I think we've gained nothing in the sense that we haven't had a go because if we come second in the group or third or fourth or fifth it doesn't actually matter in the in the grand scheme of things I feel if we don't have a go at this game I think we'll regret it. I think we need to score. And again, I've got some mind-boggling statistics for you for later, but I think we need to score. And I think if we play five at the back, I personally don't think that that allows us our best or gives us our best threat. The flip side to that is Ramsey probably not playing does add to the argument of, of toward playing the five or three at the back because I think that we need to take a player out of the game in that position and that, in that sense. And, it, and I think that kind of makes that decision for us a little bit um but i think we will go with hennessy in goal i think roberts will start at right back rodden mepham and davis will be the back three norrington davis at wing back ampadu and allen holding james bale wilson one of those will be the false nine and the other two kind of buzzing around them i think that's how we will start okay interesting i think i'd like to see us starting like that although i would have cabango in rather than mepham because i'm just not sure he's game ready yeah that would be something for the for the coaches to evaluate obviously over the next couple of days um i i talking about how to approach the game i think i think you're right i think we we there's no point in treating it as we may have done previously as a game where we just want to watch the goal difference and not come away with a three nil defeat because of what that might mean in a league in, you know, within the, the structure of a <clears throat> the structure of the league, the qualifying group. Yeah. But, but there's no real merit in that, in these circumstances. I do think though that a draw would be a, would be a very positive result. 100%. Yeah. Um, so I think we've got to be careful that it's not a sort of gung-ho on the front foot type of game because I think that will play into their into their hands too much. I don't know. I, I think they rely on teams having that attitude toward them. I mean, looking at their back three, Aldeviral, Denia, Vertonghen, uh, kind of their go-to back three, Vermaelen is on the bench for them. I, I don't think they have much, you know. Don't get me wrong; they're decent players. You know, they they'd you know they they would they would get into a lot of, of of different teams. I think, but I don't think they're like the sort of three defenders where you think, oh my god, we haven't got a chance against these. I think they will give up chances. They do give up chances, and I think that we do need to be a bit more gung ho. I think teams sitting back is what protects them. Um, and I think if teams are to have a go at them, I think they have got conceding goals in them. And I think if we sit back too much, they are just going to pick us off. I mean, they're, the stats, I'll, I'll, I'll go into a few of these for you now quickly, Ruth, if you want, because some of these are mental. So we basically have to score. Um, I looked back, since we beat them in Euro 2016, they've lost three competitive games. One of those was a World Cup semi-final to France. Um, since then, they have only not scored three times. 
which is a staggering number, I think. So if we are going to get anything out of this game, a draw, the nil-nil is just not feasible. Two of those nil-nils were friendlies. Um, one against Mexico, ironically, uh, and uh, our adversaries, Portugal. Um, the only time in a competitive game since then they haven't scored was that World Cup semi-final against France. So they are going to score since that time. <laughs> this is mental. Since that, since 2016, do you want to have a guess at how many goals they have scored since we beat them three-one in 2016? Oh, it's a it's a ludicrous number. They're averaging like I don't know whether it's three a game or something. It's an average. It's bonkers. They? they have scored since then 151 goals. <laughs> many games i don't want to know do i um do you know what? I'll, I'll hold my hands up. i didn't look at the, the number of games it is a couple more than us because obviously they played in the world cup and we didn't by way of giving a balance to that since then we have scored <laughs> we have scored 49 goals which to be fair is actually i, I was i think it's expected mm -hmm. it to be a bit less than that. I'm, I'm quite happy with that but to all intents and purposes they scored three times as many goals per game that we do this is my favorite stat we have scored three or more goals since we scored three against them. We've scored three or more goals four times. They have scored three or four more goals 27 times. <laughs> I mean, I, I, if you're listening to this on Monday morning on your way to work, I'm not trying to, <laughs> to, you know, to, to, to be overly negative, but that, that is staggering. Um, the point I, I, I'm making whilst trying not to tear up is is that we have to score a goal to get something out of this game. If we think that we are going to sit back and hold them to a nil-nil as we did not long ago, a couple of years ago, sorry, we are living in a fantasy land. The only team who have stopped them scoring in, in four years, in over four years, in fact, is... France, who at the time are the best, were the best team in the world, arguably, arguably still are. So I think we have to be a bit gung ho, and I think we have to try and test that back three because otherwise, I think we're just gonna. I think they're just gonna pick us off either way. Um, agree and disagree. I think there's a difference between being positive and aggressive and being gung ho. I think the problem with being gung-ho is that's happening in your sort of offensive third of the field and then you're leaving them with too much space in their offensive third of the field. So I think that's my that's my concern with just being wild about it. I think you're right. They, they're going to score. I think it would be naive to think that they're not when you look at those those statistics. What's interesting, though, is that they do tend to concede. Yeah, I, I'm going to throw that, yeah. I'm going to throw some stats at you now. So I looked at their last their last ten games, okay. and they have only kept two clean sheets in their last ten games. Yeah. And interestingly, that's not necessarily against the you know, Spain's and France of the world. Iceland have scored against them twice. Cyprus have scored against them. Russia. Ivory Coast, admittedly, in a fairly meaningless friendly, but they scored. England have scored against them, Switzerland and Denmark. And I'd like to think that we're on a par with, you know, most of that list list of teams in terms in terms of where we sit. So 
that would suggest we have the capability of scoring against them. So I don't think you're wrong. I think if it's going to be a draw, it's more likely to be a 1-1-2-2, far more likely than a nil-nil, because they're likely to concede and they're likely to score. So on that basis, you're looking at a game with goals. Um, I think also there's a lesson to us to not panic if they score first. That's true. Because because they're a, for a, for such a good side, they are strangely fragile, aren't they? I mean, we've we've seen that firsthand. Um, and admittedly, they've done a lot of growing in the in the five years since since that particular game. Um, but I do think we've got to be careful that we don't let a goal from them knock us out of our trajectory and our plan. Um, because I I do as we said, I do think they have trouble keeping a clean sheet, and they they're that back three, I think you're right. I think there's some fragility there, particularly when you're running at them, particularly when you're making them turn and mark space as much as mark the man. I don't think that I don't think it's interesting given how much time they've played together and how familiar one you would expect them to be. I still think they're not great at reading each other's play either as a trio. Yeah. Um, and so there are int- there's interesting spaces left in how in how they defend, and that that's how Iceland scored on them, for example. So I think um, I think I'm with you that I want us to be on the front foot. I just don't want us to be reckless about it. I mean, the reason I would suggest, I, I, you know, reckless is maybe a bad choice of words, but I, I think the reason I would kind of want to be a bit more aggressive in that sense is it looks like Romelu Lukaku is not going to play. Um, now, you mentioned earlier, obviously, the thing with James Lawrence. He obviously plays for St. Pauli in Germany. Um, from what I understand, certain countries have set certain rules and certain exceptions up, depending on who they're playing and where they're playing. Inter is a different one. They have had COVID in their ranks. And as a consequence, they have made a statement that says they are not letting their players go. Now, obviously, that's Lukaku is one of them. And I understand that they are trying to kind of negotiate a way around that. So I don't think it's been kind of confirmed in inverted commas that he will miss out one way or the other. Um, as I understand it, tomorrow, Monday, well, today when you're listening to this, hopefully, um, is the day that there will be some kind of cutoff for, for teams to make their bubbles. So he's slightly different in that sense. But the Germans, because obviously that would affect some of their other squad, uh, other players in their squad as well, sorry. As I understand it, Germany have made deals with certain countries in the EU as to where they can travel and where they can go and then come back and not have to quarantine. Um, and they've said that if players are going to countries where they will have to quarantine upon their return, their Bundesliga clubs do not have to release them. So, for example, Lewandowski playing for Poland against England in England in this window has been told, for now at least, that he can't go. Um, in fact, some of the Czech players, and we're not going to talk about that game now, but some of the Czech players, it'd be a, again, is a big thing for us in that they can play in Estonia only they can't come to Wales 
bizarrely they can't even play in their home game against uh, I think it's Belgium is their is their game they mm-hmm. can't play at home because of the way that the kind of rules are so there is this there's a, a still a lot up in the air and again I do think that is something just to go back to our game is something that will benefit us in the sense of Lukaku because if he doesn't play I think that massively reduces what they're capable of going forward um and again we'll leave holes in behind like Tielemans is another one he kind of sits in midfield he wants to get forward though he is a number eight he's kind of their Ramsey if you like he wants to get forward and join the attack and again we'll leave holes in behind and I think they'll kind of feel they need to overcompensate in a way to to do that because it's looking like the options otherwise are Benteke and I would rather me play up front than Benteke or Batshuayi who whilst is good is not is not playing at the minute Mm -hmm. so I do think that taking Lukaku away from that, he's got 25 goals in 34 games this season for Inter, seven assists. His his goals for Belgium, he's got 57 goals in 89 games for Belgium. That's absolutely bonkers. So, I mean, him missing is a massive, massive plus for us. And again, that's why I think we can afford to be a bit more front foot because I think you're taking a big chunk of their kind of attacking dynamism away. I do think... I do think the timing of it is interesting because you've got a situation where you haven't got Eden Hazard, you've potentially not got Lukaku, you're playing them at home but without a crowd. You're playing on what I understand is a slightly smaller, tighter pitch at Leuven than than they're used to in Brussels. Um, So if you were kind of lining up advantages to us, you know, you're ticking a few boxes there. So I do think there's a question about if we if we are going to have a go, is this the best set of circumstances that would allow us to have a go? Yeah. Um, it's it's really difficult, Dave, isn't it? Because they they're such a good team, even <laughs> even with those even with yeah. those holes. Yeah. yeah. And you look at those statistics that you've been talking about, and it's just like. We could get we could get sliced to pieces. I mean, that's and my you, concern. Yeah, and you're just like, Ugh. and I I worry about you know kicking kicking off a campaign with a you know a difficult result, knocking people's confidence. This I equally I don't like the idea of playing for a draw either. I think that's such a dangerous state of mind to go into yeah. a, a game with too so i'm i'm really in quite a, quite a quandary with with how to approach this game because i i can see it as our best opportunity to try and to try and gain something out of the two games we have with belgium but i think by doing that we could we could open open ourselves up for you know being dragged over the coals as well it's a tough one. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right, 100%. But I think we've also got to remember that, you know, this is, at the moment is the world's best team. You know, uh, whether you believe that argument or not is, is, is kind of moot, I suppose. But they are a fantastic football team. They've, you know, they've won all these games not by accident. They've scored all these goals because of the way they move and, and pass the ball and everything else. You know, I also think there's a level of realism that we as fans have to have but also and you know I'm sure the majority of the squad and the staff and everything have that relative you know 
common sense thing in their heads as well in that, you know, these are a bloody good team. <laughs> I mean, just to, to further add to your kind of thing, you know, the coincidences, if you like, that are working for us, that we are very much their bogey team as well. Mm. Um, so I, there is definitely something in the game for us. I think that is the long and short of it for me. I think that it's not going to be easy. And I and I agree with you that the the risk of getting hammered is very much there. Maybe not hammered, but you know, roundly beaten is very much there. But I think we've got to have relative confidence in what we've achieved so far and and what we're capable of achieving. And I think bar Ramsey, and I know there's circumstances, but bar Ramsey, we've got our our strongest players. We've got everyone available. I think like you said and I and I mentioned it in my preview in the magazine is if you're looking for positives if you're looking for good circumstances there are there's there's plenty there you know I'm not going to repeat everything you said but the, everything you said is spot on you know it's if I think if we are going to have a go at them are going to have a chance of doing something against them now is the perfect time end of a season as well players are really really tired you know, De Bruyne has been playing a ridiculous amount of games for Man City. You know, there are legitimate things there, you know. Um, with all that said, I said 1-1 in the magazine for my prediction. I'm going to stick with it. I did make that prediction before uh, finding out all those statistics that I just read you today. So I... I, I'm a bit optimistic with that. I, heart, hand on heart, I'm not entirely sure I believe it, but I am going to go with one-one. For for the magazine, I said two-one to Belgium, and again, I I can't I, I can't really make a case to change to change my thinking relative to that. And on paper, I don't think that would actually be a bad result for us, you know. If you say, but. It's under the circumstances of this particular qualifying group and the weirdness of it that it would actually be quite a frustrating result as well, wouldn't it? Because, yeah. because it, it's a it's a game. Presumably, if that was the score, where you've you've been in contention but you haven't got anything out of it. I think the weird thing is as well is that sort of the group is in terms of qualifying automatically is probably not far off being over at that point already. Mm. If if they do beat us, you know, a two one maybe not because obviously we could kind of turn them around at home and goal difference and someone else can nick a result, blah blah blah. There are all of those kind of permutations, but I think looking at the group, I think realistically we've got to look at Belgium. I've got a bloody good chance of winning every game, so I think if we want to win the group, we have to get something out of this one to kind of start us off in a positive way. So, yeah, uh, you know, the weirdness of the of the way it's kind of panned out with the qualifiers and the Nations League and how that's worked for us in terms of getting a playoff place. There are so many kind of permutations which we're not going to go into, but yeah, it's not a it's not an easy one, is it? Um is there anything else on on the Belgium game that you wanted to add? No, I think I think we've we've covered that. Um I think it's I think the timing the idea of you know, we've got some players who are playing today, won't get to camp till t- today being Sunday, won't get to camp till tomorrow, Monday, um, have recovery day. And then we're expecting, you know, someone like Dan James, we're expecting to run out on, on Wednesday against yeah. Belgians. I do, I do think there's, it's a big ask for a whole host of reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I agree. And, but, you know, again, flip side is Man City. Uh, Man City, I don't know. Uh, what's wrong with me today? Belgium will have players in that circumstance as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there is that to, to go with it. Um, to look at the Mexico game, I mean, in the, in the nicest possible way, what a pain in the ass that game <laughs> is. You know, any, any games Wales play, I'm obviously excited for. But this feels, given the circumstance, the timing, everything, this seems... A touch, a touch unnecessary, and I understand that we have to play it for the interests of fairness. Oh, I can't be asked for that debate, but you know, I think it's something we definitely don't need. So, uh, you know, I'm intrigued to know how you think we approach this. I think the idea of fairness is interesting, isn't it? Because I can see UEFA's reasoning that if the calendar necessitated that some teams have to play three competitive games, then everybody should play three games. But when you're playing two competitive and one friendly, it's not the same yeah. as playing three, uh, three, three competitive games. So that, that notion of, of fairness is somewhat, somewhat mute anyway. And then you add in, um, you add in the whole, you know, COVID scenario and who's released and who's not released and who quarantines and who can go to what country. I mean, like what you were saying about what the Czechs are facing, for example, with some of their some of their team being okay in in Estonia and, and not at home in in the in Czechia. It's just it's like how can you actually plan for that? How can you get organised yeah. for that? Um, so all of that said, and you know. The game, the game is happening. Um, I, I think we should very much treat it as a squad depth, almost like a training run, somewhat similar to that we did to the USA game back in the in the autumn, where it is very much a beat team. Um, in in the autumn, I think it was only Danny Ward that played in the competitive game after. US friendly, if I remember, yeah. if I remember rightly, I think the rest, all of the out, the whole of the eleven outfield players changed, and I think we have to take, you know, a very similar approach with, with, uh, with this one. You know, it's whichever centre backs you haven't used on Wednesday, there you start in pair uh, on Saturday for this game. Uh, I would have. Davies in goal on the basis that you started Hennessy on on Wednesday. Yeah. I'd you know I'd I'd assume we probably Morrell and Smith as the as the holders. You know it's just like the other eleven basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that just to go back very briefly to the fairness thing, the thing I don't get most of all is that it can be structured in a way because of the amount of teams in the group, everyone will have the same amount of three game windows as the next team. You just so, for example, like the Czech Republic have a three-game window now, as do Belgium. We have a two-game window. That means the next time we play, we would have a three-game window, and they would have a two-game window, and so on. So it does eventually even out. So you, it's not it's not fair in the sense that you're not playing the same amount of games in each window, but it is fair in terms of you have that advantage if you want to call it that at separate times. I, I, I don't know. I, I, it really pisses me off. I got to be honest. I think it's a nonsense, and I think we're tr trying to expect these players to play all the games they missed last season, have next to no preseason, play a full season now, 
we're going to chuck in extra qualifiers, extra friendlies we're making you play. And at the end of this, we're making you, we're not making you because everyone wants to play in the Euros, but then you're expecting these big players to turn up and perform on this massive stage. It's just, it's just not feasible. I don't, I don't, I, there's no, I can see literally no benefit to it. Um, anyway, um, I totally agree with you in what you've said. The other lot start for me. I would play Davis in goal, same as you. Um, Gunter, Cabango, probably James Lawrence uh, on the basis that Lockyer's just on his way back from injury. Um, but again, that's obviously dependent on if he can come back. I'd probably play Nico Williams at left back. Um, Morel, I would agree with you. Probably Smith or Levitt will get a go in there. Rabi. Johnny as 10, maybe. I do not want Tom Lawrence to play, but I can see that happening. And then Tyler Roberts up front. And to be fair to Tyler Roberts, I think he deserves a crack. I've been kind of critical of him um, of late. So, well, not of late, like recently. So I think he's had a very solid run of games for, for Leeds. He hasn't scored, but he's playing good football. He's kind of linking up play very well, sort of playing in that kind of number 10 role. He is, He's done really well for them recently. So there's definitely... Uh, an opportunity for him to perhaps get into the team for the Czech game depending on how things go Wilson etc so I would say whilst I do want this to be very much a B team I do think he's the kind of one exception to the rule for that I would consider having Hal involved in this game as well just to just to see kind of what's going on and what he could contribute uh, I think it's interesting that he's been called up to this squad so um I might play a sort of combination of Matondo, Johnny, Tyler Roberts, and Hal as a as a four. Right. Okay. And it's you know some version, almost more of a two and two, I suppose, um, in in this game. Um, I I actually put I also had Nico starting at, at left back, assuming that you'd probably want um, Norrington Davies more obviously involved with the the first team. Yeah. Um, whether it's as you you were suggesting as a as a left wing back in a five, or you're bringing him on late in the game because you need some fresher legs or something. Gunter's hundredth cap is a whole kind of. Um, I, I I really don't know where I am with this because I obviously desperately want him to get to this, and I think I do think time and opportunities are running out for him. Um, but this is so the wrong circumstance for that. Uh, but it, but he should he should be the player that reaches this milestone. So I, I want it to happen for him. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've put him in, uh, you know, slightly for you know sentimental reasons, obviously. But I, I think the ultimate reason is, like you said, time time and games are running out. I think the friendly against Albania pre-Euros if you'd hope we'd have some fans in there then so that could be the opportunity but then that's a bit of a gamble if he gets injured between now and then doesn't play whatever um, I think that's a big that is a big gamble in that regard for him I agree with you I want him to get it because he deserves it but to be doing it in an empty stadium in a in a meaningless friendly kind of it doesn't devalue it because he's played for Wales a hundred times there's a hundred times more than most of us but I do think there's an element of this that is just something that I think is a shame that it's kind of happening in this way. And I'm sure he won't care. But, you know, I think the fans have a, have a special bond, I think, with him. And I think Chris Gunter would kind of... It'd be a special atmosphere, I think, if uh, if, if that were to happen in front of fans. So I think that's a that's a real shame in that sense. 
Um, but I don't know. I, I think, I mean, I don't want to have too big a conversation on this, but I, you know, I think it's in the balance that he goes to the Euros. I've I got to be honest, if we, if we end up taking a 23-man squad, and I do think we will end up having the opportunity to take a bigger squad because of the circumstances and everything else you wait for, I think will open that, in my opinion. Um, so then he's got a chance. But I think if we have a 23-man squad, I just don't think he goes. So I, I agree with you. I think we're getting at a point here where if we don't do it now, I'm not, I'm not sure how many other chances he has to, to get it done. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on where he sits within a 23. Um, I think Nico Williams has not had the sort of season that we were hoping for. And I think in a strange way, that's sort of reopened the door for, for Chris Grunter a little bit. I think the fact that he's quite versatile and can play in a lot of places across a back four or five might end up um, help helping his case, particularly if the whole centre-back situation is as sort of woolly and, and amorphous as it seems to be at the minute. But I think, hand on heart, if I had to pick a 23 right now for June, it would be hard to include him. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to have this conversation too much because I think it might make me cry. But um, <laughs> fun- fundamentally, I agree with you. I think the the only thing I would say for, for Gunter is, you know, as you said there, Nico Williams isn't playing football um, this season pretty much. And I think it's worth noticing that, you know, noting, sorry, whilst it's League One, Gunter has had some kind of involvement in, I think, I'm just double-checking my stats here, I think all but one league game since he joined Charlton this season. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's he's played full 90 minutes and started one, two, three, four, five, six, six of the last seven games he started. And before that, again, he started pretty much, in fact, literally every other game this season he started. So in the league. So I, I do think it's worth noting that he is getting regular football. And I do, I do think, as you say, that keeps the door open for him in terms of the Euros. So I do think there is that chance there for him to be to be kind of included if we do have a 23 and obviously Nico brings us a lot but I think the experience and and uh, and wherewithal is the word I'm going to go for that, that Gunter has I think uh, will benefit him in that sense um, I mean we obviously don't want anyone to get injured that's the, that's the key here I mean for me I think we just want to see why am I doing this all of a sudden I don't know why I keep doing this I think now I'm aware of it I'm making it worse for myself anyway great podcasting um I think the the crux of this is we just need to get out of this without a defeat. No one's hurt themselves and everyone's got a bit of game time and we just move straight on to the Czech Republic. I agree. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure necessarily that even though without a defeat is terribly important in yeah. my criteria. I think, you know, I think momentum is good. I think it's, you know, it's it's you'd you, obviously you'd rather win games than not, but I think as I think a a 2-1 interesting sort of game would be a reasonable result, assuming that we've put out a B team. They've they've only got two friendlies yeah. in in the window. I know that um I don't know what their circumstances are in terms of whether it's just European European-based players like the Americans did in, in the fall, uh in the autumn. But um I think I think there's more onus 
it's more of a game for them. So I think they're obviously going to be taking it more seriously. They've got they've got more uh, more need for a decent result out of it. Uh, so I think the ball is sort of in their court as to as to how how much emphasis they want to put on on the game. And uh, I suspect the quality of their eleven is going to be superior than the quality of our eleven, just because of the nature of the of this particular international window. So. I wouldn't be surprised if if they come out um, if they come out treating it as more more like one would treat a competitive game because they've got they've got more to gain through that. Yeah, I agree. I think they have got players coming from from all over. It's not just European based players. I do think there are some people uh, who play for Mexican teams, for example, as well as others um, playing. They have got Costa Rica, like you said, in a friendly after us, and I don't think they have a competitive game until June now because of the the qualifiers being cancelled over there. So, I I think this is probably quite an important game for them in terms of kind of getting people people together and getting things set up and playing for places and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I do think there's a you know a very different emphasis on this than there is for us. Um, the reason I mentioned the defeat not being, being important is because I think there is a chance we could lose to Belgium because of how good they are. I would worry that if we lose to Belgium, you lose to Mexico, and all of a sudden it's a very different kind of feel in the camp ahead of what I would then describe as a must-win game against the Czech Republic. So it's... Yeah, I think it does become a, a bit different, uh, even though we recognise that the circumstances are different. I can imagine that has a, a difficult effect on, on the players in camp. Um, one of the things I've written down here is, do we need to try a new formation? And I feel like that was a bit of a stupid question because I, I guess in reality, a lot of these players aren't going to be playing for us regularly. So there's no kind of point experimenting with things. Or, or do you think that's a, a naive way to look at it? Yeah, I wouldn't experiment with formation. I'd, I, I would treat it as this, you know, this is our formation. Are you player, whoever, Roberts, putting pressure on the person that is in front of you in the starting yeah. 11 can you can you demonstrate that you are first reserve yeah. for this particular position uh, and i think i think it's important in that sense for people who are on the cusp of the, of a 23 for the euros for them to show that they should be you know if you assume that we've got somewhere between i don't know 13 to 15 that are basically our starting 11. I know that the math doesn't make sense, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, there is, there's, let's say, yeah, 13 to 15 names that know we know yeah. are going to constitute our starting 11, all things being equal. Then we've got the next eight or nine people that are the sort of first reserve for each of those spots. And fundamentally, that's really how your 23 is going to develop, isn't it? Um, and so I think, I think from a player's point of view, although we might see this as a, fairly meaningless friendly i think for those players that are on the cusp of having a place on the place in the squad for the summer it could actually be a very pivotal game and i'm sure they will be kind of framing it as well as a mm. if you play well this is your chance to get yourself involved uh, against the czech republic so I, i'm sure there's mm -hmm. that kind of element to it as well uh, to me as long as we kind of committed that's the big thing i think and kind of 
as long as we don't just kind of sit back and kind of soak things up or just kind of see the game out or try to do that I think that's my only thing as long as we kind of have a bit of a go at them and kind of put ourselves about a bit press them and you know make a you know make a, an effort to make a game of it I think that's the only thing that matters to me really because I think as you said their 11 is going to be better than ours they play like a 4-3-3 which are, you know a lot of that is quite mm-hmm. fluid and okay Raul Jimenez is not going to play but as I say the fluidity of their movement is really key to how they play it's going to be a hard game so I think when I say committed and kind of pressing I mean committing and to keeping up with their movement I guess is the is the key thing for us there um I don't know about you but if I'm going to do a prediction I say if I am <laughs> this is very difficult because obviously we're basing this on what we think the start in 11 might be I think it's going to be 2 nil Mexico is what I'm going for, which I don't really like saying, but I, that's what I said in the mag, so I'm going to stick with that. Um, with them having no competitive games in this window and just these two friendlies, I think that's quite important to them. Um, so I think they will be kind of, they, there's a lot more on this for, for them than for us. So even though they haven't got Jimenez, who's obviously a big part of what they do, you know, Lozano, Pizarro, uh, Pineda, they've got some, you know, some strong attacking players. So I would expect, I would expect them to be the better side. But you know, we drew nil nil last time we played them. So uh, again, I think that would be, you know, I'd take that right now. Yeah, I I predicted one one for the magazine, and I think I'm not, I'm not sure I would. I think based on what we've just been discussing. I think if you had to go and you know put some money on it, you'd probably be betting on the Mexicans winning yeah. the game. But I'm going to stick with the one-one because, as much because of what happened in um, the Rose Bowl game, I think we it wasn't our first eleven, but it wasn't our second eleven that were out in that game. Yeah. So you know, I, I might be over over judging over judging it, but we were able to shut them down quite effectively in that game and I, I I'm hoping that we might be able to do something similar in in this one I think in that game we kind of relied on them missing their chances more than us that's kind of true. defending well do you know what I mean <laughs> that's true so I would I would I would disagree with you slightly there but no I, I do take your point generally speaking that you know they did have a lot of good chances but they didn't take them and if we can kind of keep that kind of uh, approach up then I agree then I think that is our our best way and I you know we'll, we'll just see what happens I don't think there's any harm in anything that comes from that game uh, as long as no one gets hurt then I think that's that's pretty much kind of all, all we're after really there um, so we've, we've been rare, fairly negative <laughs> in terms of our predictions I've gone for a draw and a defeat you've gone for a defeat and a draw mm-hmm. um, I think if we can come out of this again forgetting the Mexico game for a sec if we can come out of this window with four points I would be absolutely delighted with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't be delighted. I'm I'm intrigued about which way around that four points might be. Do you think it would be more important to have three against the Belgians and one against the Czechs or the other way around? If we beat the Belgians, then I would expect us or at least hope that we would beat the Czechs as well and I would take the mm-hmm. six there. I'm assuming the one would come from the Belgians. And from, again, from I, the Belgium game, I, yeah. I, because then yeah. ultimately... The, the group is still in our own hands. If we can beat Belgium when we play them in Cardiff, I think the other teams are all eminently beatable, especially Czechs at home. As it looks like they're going to be missing some of their German contingent. I think, you know, 
that keeps the group alive, keeps us interested, keeps the possibility of topping the group alive. So I think there's some real merit in making sure we get a draw there. But again, you know, obviously mm-hmm. if we beat the Belgians, then I, I think we've got every chance of coming away with six points from the two games. Yeah, there's, a, there's an awful lot of ifs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as, as always. Um, have you got anything else you wanted to add, Ruth? No, I think um, just excited to start to seeing some games. I'm I'm grateful that none of these three are at, uh, at ludicrous times in the morning. Um, they're, they're actually nice lunchtime games here, so uh, so looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm going to be doing uh, Thursday in work on a hangover because it's a nine o'clock uh, kickoff here, I think. Um, actually, no, that can't be true, can it? Anyway, uh, I think, as like you said, I'm just excited of the possibility that we are back. Sorry, 8.45 kickoff. Um, I'm excited <laughs> that we have the possibility of Welsh football being back again. Watching Newcastle is a soulless, miserable existence that I absolutely hate. I actively don't look forward to anything around the game other than the final whistle being blown. So I cannot think about those horrible bastards uh, for another week. So I'm super excited to look forward to some Welsh football. I think we have, you know, a great chance. You know, we've not even talked about Aaron Ramsey. He was, we just assume is not going to play. Imagine Ramsey plays like some part in these games. It'd be amazing. So I think there's, you know, so much to look forward to, so much to be positive about. And since, uh, when is it? November. This is the first time we've had a, a match to look forward to, and I'm uh, I'm very very excited about it. I gotta say, yeah, no, it's 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 going to be a great ten days. Just you know, to be able to cheer them on, regardless of outcomes, there is there's something. It's good for the soul just to just to have these moments, isn't it? Oh, 100 percent. And like I say, you know, I'm very excited to go to work on Thursday this week and, and Wednesday next week with a hangover. Hopefully with uh, with six with six points in my back pocket as well. So. Fingers crossed. Um, good luck, boys. Uh, if any of you are listening, um, we are absolutely behind you. 100% cannot wait for the games. Um, if you haven't read our Game of Willard magazine, please do. It's online at colemanhadadream.com. Um, loads of great artwork, loads of great writing um, from fans, for fans. It's free, downloadable, uh, electronic. So please head to colemanhadadream.com and have a read of that. Uh, thank you for your time, Ruth. Yeah, it was good. It's not a, it's like we keep saying. It's not. It's not a difficult thing to to chat about Welsh football, is it? Exactly. <laughs> Even early on a Sunday morning. <laughs> I was going to say you do look like you've poked up a bit now, actually. So uh, you know the coffee didn't work, but uh, but talking about Wales did. So that's important. Um, we will hopefully see you. I think uh, a week today where we will review the two games gone and do a preview of the Czech Republic game as well. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. And again, please do go and have a look at our Game of Willard International Welsh Football Magazine at colemanhadadream.com. Thank you, Ruth. I will speak to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your day. Goodbye. And you. (laughs) Bye-bye.